Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we're two very different neurotic Jews talking about the <laughs> same beautiful Torah together. Hello, Dov Linzer. Hello, Abby. Good to see you once again over Zoom. Yes, and we are doing this in the midst of kind of national upheaval, we should just note. Um, it's been a very mm-hmm. intense two weeks after George Floyd's death. Which is not to say that we're going to be able to tie every Parsha to this seismic awakening, but I think it's important to just note the world we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're in Deuteronomy. Va'et Hanan. Va'et Hanan. There you go. Do I get an right. A? <laughs> and it means, and I supplicated. Correct. Who is supplicating? Moses is supplicating God. We're retelling the, the whole story of the Exodus leading up to the getting to the edge of the land of Israel. And Moses is reminding the people that when he was told he could not enter the land, he supplicated God to uh, to let him enter. But this is the only time that he says, please let me. Correct. Earlier, when God tells Moses he can't go in, the, the narrative just continues, does not record any response. And here, when Moses is retelling the story to the people, he's letting them know that he actually prayed to God and begged for God to allow him in. We're in Deuteronomy 3.23. I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, You who let your servants see the first works of your greatness and your mighty hand, you whose powerful deeds no God in heaven or on earth can equal, let me, I pray, cross over and see the good land on the other side of the Jordan and good hill country and the Lebanon. But the Lord was wrathful with me on your account. This is Moses talking to the people and would not Mm -hmm. listen to me. The Lord said to me, enough, never speak to me of this matter again feels a little unfair. It feels like Moses has earned the chance to appeal even one Mm -hmm, time. mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, what does it mean it's too much? How much has he been going on about this? I mean, we only have a few verses. Um, One interesting way of reading this is when he says the words for it's too much is ravlach, it's enough for you. And that God is actually saying, Moses, you've done enough. You've achieved enough. You don't need this as well. Step back. Let somebody else take that mantle. It's also an interesting possible way of reading the beginning of the verse where it says, you know, God got angry against me for your sake or on account of you. We normally read that word to mean on account of you. You are to blame. It's all because of of how you've acted that now I can't go in. But maybe it actually means for your sake, you know, that the reason I'm being told that I can't go in is because it will be better for you to have a different type of a leader, somebody who does not have all of this baggage and this relationship, somebody who's not larger than life, who you, you know, are waiting to bring some miraculous deliverance. You need a different leader. So ultimately, that's why God has told me not to enter. It it kind of echoes, this is going to sound mundane, but in our lives, there are times where we have lobbied for ourselves for a promotion or for some Mm -hmm. kind of recognition, and someone has said, enough, stop asking. Mm -hmm. Right. So in a sense, it's not necessarily about humility, but it's about take a step back. This is not the better plan that you should advance. I also think that the earlier verse, Moses does not say, let me lead the people into the land. He says, let me just pass over and, you know, and, and see the land. Like, okay, I don't, I don't need to lead, but all my life I've been, you know, it's all been building up to entering the land. Let me at least get some taste of that. And God won't even allow that. It's, you know, you really need to step back and let somebody else step forward. So let's look at the later part now where essentially Moses accepts the fact that he's not going. And then he's, He's telling his people, you need to understand how remarkable this is, this thing you're inheriting, this thing you're getting. And he kind of, it's almost like he's selling it to them as he's 
admonishing them to follow the laws and to kind of to be good citizens and to be observant to God. Um, so I'm in, again, Deuteronomy 4.9, but take utmost care and watch yourselves scrupulously so that you do not forget the things that you saw with your own eyes and so that they do not fade from your mind as long as you live and make them known to your children and to your children's children. And then later in 4.32, it says, You have but to inquire about bygone ages that came before you ever since God created man on earth from one end of heaven to the other. Has anything as grand as this ever happened or has its like ever been known? And finally, 523, has any people heard the voice of a God speaking out of a fire as you have and survived? Right. And I think specifically a lot of the book of Deuteronomy is Moses sort of seeing the people as rebellious, as not obedient, um, and thinking they're going to have to go into the land and follow God's mitzvot and commandments and build a society. What is going to keep them on the right path? And he's finding different ways to basically, as you say, sell it to them and persuade them that they have to live the life according to you know what God has said. So one of the ways is, look how amazing this is, what you yourself experienced and you saw that God has done all these things. So by acknowledging that and internalizing that, hopefully you will live by what God has told you you must do. That's at least the way I see it. Yeah. There are times where I just kind of forget how extraordinary all of this is. And even now when we're we're living through such discord and debate and strain in our kind of social fabric, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary to see what we've been given and to watch the people in the streets and to watch, you know, the sign outside the White House become an art installation overnight. I mean, they're just snapshots. And and after the virus, like we have seen, or during the virus, we're not out of it, snapshots of humanity, snapshots of people lifting each other up, snapshots of a world that is both extraordinarily difficult and extraordinarily beautiful all at once. I mean, just, I mean, maybe I'm getting mushy, but you know, when we're lucky to be alive, we just look a little, things come into focus. Do you, does he relate to that at all? You know, the, the verses are speaking more about you've experienced something supernatural um, that is unequaled ever in history. You had, God spoke to all of you at Mount Sinai. God is the Red present sea. to answer you, the Red Sea. And um, what you're speaking about is, I think, a gratitude of what we have every single day that we, you know, don't acknowledge. So I think it's a, li- a little different. I guess I am talking about daily miracles, and you're saying they're mm-hmm. not miracles. Well, uh, <laughs> no, I definitely can agree that we can and should look at them as miracles, and maybe that's how we you are connecting the dots. But uh, I, I just see that the verse is pointing us to something beyond the everyday. And if I if I had to connect that to what's going on, you know, the same way the verse here is pointing us to uh, the Torah at Mount Sinai, and it's sort of like live up to this vision, I would sort of go back to the founding principles of, you know, the country, the constitution, the ideals that it was founded on. I feel that in the last few years, we have lost sense of those ideals and living by those ideals and what this country is supposed to mean. So like that's sort of what I would remember in order to bring into what's going on, you know, how we're living our life now. A lot of these lines kind of echo, you know, do you understand how lucky you are? When the text says, has any people heard the voice of a God speaking out of a fire as you have? and survived. There's definitely that. Again, I, I see a lot of this as pushing the people to sort of say, and therefore you have to live your life according to the commandments. Um, but I also think another important part about this is, you know, that you shall pass this on to your children is what the verse says. And that this is talking about the obligation of transmission. And I think it's an interesting 
question to stop and ask ourselves, what are we transmitting? Like normally we think, are we transmitting ideas? We believe in a God and an ethical God. Are we transmitting, you know, I would think we're transmitting halachot, laws about Shabbos observance, kashras, and so on. But I think that the Torah is telling us more, that you actually have to transmit the experience of Mount Sinai, that part of a lived religion is to connect to those powerful experiences. But how do we reconnect to the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai? Like what ritual we should do we stand have? in the wind and the thunder and the rain. <laughs> I mean, maybe some people sort of say that the reading of the Torah in the synagogue is a type of a recreation of it, but it, it doesn't have the same power. I mean, I think of the power of it much more kind of intellectually and symbolically more than some kind of physical experience. And whenever mm-hmm. I've observed Shavuot, which is basically studying all night, I just get tired. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it's right. not particularly that I'm feeling the earth shake. In my community, I think in the non-Orthodox community, um, I won't speak for all of it, but at least, you know, what I've experienced, we do really well at educating to the mind, like here are all the laws, here's, you know, here's what the Torah says, here's what the commentators say, here's what the Talmud says. But I don't think we do well at all in terms of uh, sort of transmitting the experience, the experience of feeling the connection to God, of experience of prayer, what that means to sort of really feel like you're reaching out to God in prayer, what would it have meant to stand at Mount Sinai, you know, the experiential aspect, I think it's a significant part of what's missing from our religious lives. I mean, I don't mean totally, but I think that that issue of transmission is one that we struggle with as well. So maybe we end with a hope that we have a little more thunder, fire, and lightning in our lives. Amen to that. (laughs) Shabbat Shalom, Dove. Shabbat Shalom, Abby. Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Abigail Pogrubin and Rabbi Dove Linzer. The show is produced by Shira Telushkin and executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. We'd be so grateful if you'd head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps more people find us. You can also write or fetch to us at this email, Parsha in Progress at tabletmag.com. Thanks for listening.